Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, by podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. Our guest today, Jason Janis, grew up in a Catholic family, but with a mother who could turn on her children. Jason spent much of his time, he says, close to the TV with his little sister, trying to shield her and keep a low profile. He fell away from the church early on, questioning why a loving God would punish people by sending them to hell. So when he left the church, he left God as well. That is until April 2nd, 2020, when he tried to eat a sandwich and started throwing up blood. He called his ex-wife, who recognized his desperate situation before he passed out. Apparently, COVID-19 had created lung tumors that burst, filling his lungs with blood to the point where he nearly drowned. Jason, welcome to NDE Radio. So they pumped out two point, what was it, 2.8? 2.8 liters of blood, and that's the equivalent of like 11.8 or basically 12 cups of blood. So each lung had six cups of blood in it by the time. So yeah, I was, they, they called it acute respiratory failure hypoxia. I was, I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> dead, you know, so, but they somehow saved me and, you know. But they thought that it was uh, COVID to start with, that uh, the, right. the tumors right. had come from the COVID. Right. Wow. What, um, what, uh, when did this happen? What year was it? What, uh, this was, ago? this happened on April 2nd of 2020. So I had come home from work. Yeah. And prior to that, by, by a couple of weeks, I was waking up with a taste of blood in my mouth. Like, did I bite my tongue or something during the night? You know, but it was, I was like, and I get in the shower, I'm rinsing out my mouth, no blood or anything. But that night, April 2nd, I came home from work. I sat down on the couch where I am. I made myself a bagel sandwich. I started eating, you know, I took a couple bites. Everything's fine. Then all of a sudden I did one of those and I'm like, oh, it was just horrible tasting, you know? And I'm like, I tried to take another bite of my sandwich. And as soon as I opened up my mouth, blood just, it just kept coming. Bright red blood. And I'm talking bright red blood not dark red like when you cut your finger right or whatever this was bright red blood you know and i was now i it was it was constantly coming i started losing i couldn't breathe you know it was no well if this was coming out of your lungs i don't know how you managed to survive that because to throw that up you'd have to have almost filled your lungs they were full yeah i mean so where where does the oxygen go if if (laughs) <laughs> you know, so I uh, frantically, I remember calling or face trying to FaceTime my ex-wife because she was a nurse. Uh-huh. So she finally answered the phone and she goes like, what do you want? And I tried talking to her again, blood covered my phone. And I remember her saying, jumping up and saying, Jason. Yeah. Very concerned, you know? Yes. And that's all I remember. I, next time I remember I re- I was, I woke up in the ICU, my my wrists or my hands and my feet were strapped to the bed, tube down my throat, stuff up my nose, an IV in my neck, monitors, people, Jason, Jason, do you know where, do you know who you are? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. But as soon as they started talking, I immediately turned to the left Mm. and up in the left-hand corner, 
where the TV was, somebody was there. You know, if I got rid of all the people, I tried to get, you know, move my head as much as I could to see the TV because somebody was there. Somebody was right there. I felt it as clear as you and I are talking today. It was somebody was right there. So you, you didn't see them, but you felt their presence. huh? That's correct. Absolutely. One hundred percent. And did you think it was uh, did you have any explanation? Was it an angel or I, you know, now I know who it was. It was God. But okay. at the time. I, I had no clue. It was just an overwhelming presence. Like I wanted to get up and go there and, and talk. And, you know, I had the tube in my, I couldn't, you know, and for the whole month that I was on the ventilator, that presence was right there, right there. It was unwavering. It was strong, you know, and it got to the point of one of the nurses asked me, Jason, do you, do you want me to turn the TV on for you, hon? And I couldn't talk, you know, I was just like, you know, I was like, I just shook my head, you know, I was like, no, you don't understand. There's somebody there. Mm -hmm. Somebody's there, you know, and I'm like, they're going to think I'm nuts, you know, (laughs) and, (laughs) you know, so during that whole time, that presence was there. And, and this is what I had a hard time with after it is like, from a very early age, from a young boy, young boy, um, my parents weren't religious as far as i know it was my grandparents i grew up catholic and christian mm-hmm. um i believed in heaven i believed in hell i believed all i went through the sacraments went through everything but something inside me as a young boy didn't feel right i always kept asking myself if god loves me so much then why am i why would he send me to hell for making mistakes mm-hmm. why you know he's really that that vengeful you know, when you read the stories in the Bible, Sodom and Gomorrah, all of this stuff, you know, the, the flood, you know, I said, wow, he really hates us. If he created us, then he must be mad that he, he just hates us, you know, <laughs> but something didn't feel right. So, it, you know, around nine, maybe nine or 10. So like 1979, 80, maybe I said, you know, my grandmother woke me up for church and I said, don't you ever wake me up. You know, I came from a very abusive family. I was beaten quite a bit, um, a lot. Um, and I said, don't you ever wake me up ever, ever for that. You know, I had some colorful adjectives and I I said, don't you ever. And she's like, "Jeez." And I sat up and I said, don't you ever wake me up? I said, no. And that was the last relationship I had with God. I never called on him. I never went to church. I never said, I love you. I asked him for anything. It was, you know, my full right to exercise free will, you know? So were, and, you be, were you being raised by your grandparents? No, I was raised by my, my mother and she was very abusive, very abusive. Oh. And to the point of where, you know, I was six at the time. So this is like 75, 76. So yeah. I would take care of my little, my sister who was three at the time. And I'd be like, Don't wake mom up, you know, or we'll get beaten. So I would get her up and we'd sit in front of the TV, like this close to the TV. So we could watch our cartoons and our little Mm -hmm. onesies. And, you know, I tried to save my sister from getting beat Mm -hmm. and then we'd go outside and play and stuff like that. And then I went to go live with my father because my mother couldn't, she didn't even have a high school education, so she couldn't do the homework. So she sent me to live with my dad in Wisconsin. That's when my grandmother really came into you know, with me. And, you know, when I was living with my mom, I'd come up on the weekends and I'd spend all the holidays, but I'd be spending them with my grandparents. I see. And 
my grandmother taught me everything, how to cook, how to clean, how to drive, how to be a good, sane, sober, moral, prudent person, took me to church, everything. And she was literally my world. She just taught me everything, how to be a good person. So for her, for me to say that to her, I know it devastated her. I know it did. I know it crushed her terribly. And, you know, I went through my whole life knowing I was going to go to hell because I wasn't good enough. And I basically did what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, and I don't care who I hurt in the process. And I hurt a lot of people physically, emotionally, mentally, verbally. I wasn't a good person. I just wasn't. So you learned that from your mother's behavior. Probably. Because when you get beat, you always ask, why me? What did I do? What, you know, what did I do to deserve this? So you go through that whole life. I just felt unloved, unwanted or whatever. My grandmother showed me the love and I loved her to death. But when I got to my teens and 20s, then I got married at 21, had my own child. And then I was mean to that child. I just, I wasn't a good person. Mm. So I guess I lost hope of caring about religion or about any of it. So I just went and did what I wanted to do. Mm. Now we're going to go fast forward. I have another daughter, a younger one who I adore and love. And, but now this presence is in this room. And finally, at the end of the month, I get off the ventilator. I still couldn't talk. I was having difficulty. I lost 75 pounds, very lethargic. And I, I when, Lee, when I tell you this, I had nothing left to give anymore physically, emotionally, mentally, anything. And if I get emotional, I'm sorry. So as I was looking at the TV, I tried to get up on my elbows as much as I could. I couldn't talk, but I, I cried out to God for the first time in my life in 40 years. I said, please, I know I abandoned you. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, I love you. I do. I believe you. Lord, I love you. I said, please don't let me die. Please, please. I said, I love my children. Please let me see my daughters again. Mm. And I'm sobbing uncontrollably. I don't know where this emotion came from. It just, it welled up in me. It still does. And I said, you know, I'm terribly sorry for abandoning you. I said, I love you so much. And, you know, I went on to describe how much I love somebody. And then all of a sudden time stopped. I was engulfed in this most beautiful light and unconditional love that just flowed through every part of my being. I was no longer in the bed. I was out of my body. I was looking down on the, I could see everything instantly around me, the whole ICU ward. The grass was alive. And it was a color green that I've never seen before. And I could see the, the grass, every blade of grass moving independently. And it was alive. And it was happy to see me. I knew instantly where I was. Instantly. Before the thought even formulated in my head, I said, I'm home. And I was just loved. I've never felt love like that in my entire life. Even from my own children. And I was just in God's, I knew who it was, it was God. I mean, how many people call on God every day? Because he doesn't answer the door. He hears you, he sees you, but he doesn't answer the door. And I'll tell you why in a minute. 
and I saw the tree souls. Everything was alive. Not just like you see a tree now, but it was alive. I could see their soul. I could feel their love. And it just, it was warm. It flowed through me like a river of love. It was like a river of love, me being immersed in a deep river. And instead of the river moving around you, it flowed through me. And I was energized with all this energy. I just, I was young again and I was invigorated. And I, I, I said, what a beautiful day to die. It was, again, it was a thought. It was, everything was through my mind, my communication. And I was just adored. I don't know how long it took. I could have been there five hours. It could have been 30 seconds. And then as I was just in that moment, another very strong presence showed up. So father was off to left and then like right in front of me, even though I didn't turn my gaze, I could still see that direction. Uh, and it was Jesus. And the love that he showed me was even more. It was almost, in a human term, stifling. You know, it was just so much love. And again, it was warm. And that flowed through me. And I just wanted to go home. I didn't want to come back. I didn't care about my children anymore. And I don't want to mean it or sound like that in a bad way, but it was... I knew they were perfect. They were right where they needed to be. Everybody and everything that was happening on that planet is exactly where we all needed to be. It was perfect. And I just wanted to go home. I, want, I did not want to come back here. And again, I don't know how long. There was no verbal communicating except for me. And again, how, how long it took, I don't know. But two hand, Jesus put two hands on my chest. And laid me back in, and I I felt, and I love you. And then I was completely out. I mean, I was knocked out. Like, there was no waking me up. And I awoke hours later, I, I assume. And when I looked off to the left, that presence was gone. It was no longer there. Mm. And it has profoundly changed my life. I am filled with a love that is not from this world. I know why we're here, what we are. Everything was given to me instantly, instantly. I merged with my higher self, my true consciousness, which is still home. We're all still home. This is nothing more than a dream, the matrix. What's happening down here isn't real. We come here to experience everything that is not in heaven. And when I, when people don't understand that, we're like, what do you mean? It's just like, I tell them now, imagine this, imagine the most purest and most beautiful white, the ceiling is white. The walls are white. The floor is white. It's all that same color white. And I said, now you're in there too, in that room. And you're exactly the same color white. So I tell them, how do you know you're white? You don't because all you know is your light, your love. You don't know anything else. You don't know what black is. You don't know what blue is. You don't know what hate is. You don't know what harm is or anything. All you know is what we are. We are light and love. And that is what father is. Father is love, unconditional love and light. 
and it's unwavering. Everybody is loved that way. We are all here on our own timeline, our own mission. We chose our parents. We chose our life. We chose our, you know, getting married, having children, buying a house, whatever, going to college. You chose your, your life and the things that you wanted to have happen to you and to do on to others. And that's it. But the ultimate goal of that is, is to love. And that's what Jesus came here to do. He showed us what love is, how to love unconditionally. It didn't matter who you were, a man or a child, a boy or a girl, a leper, a thief, whatever you want to call that person. He loved everyone unconditionally. And I was loved that way too, unconditionally. And I felt there was no judgment against me, none. I had done nothing wrong. I stood before him. I judged myself. I didn't feel worthy to be in his presence. And the love never stopped. It never stopped. And I realized that I had to forgive myself for feeling that way my whole life, feeling unloved and unwanted. And that was the lesson that I learned out of all of it was to forgive myself because I am love. I am worthy of love. And Father showed me how worthy of love I was because he knew this moment was coming. And he was there waiting for me because he knew I was going to call out to him. And it's simply the most beautiful thing. You know, we are living in the most beautiful love story there ever is, but we're all blind to it because we have all become materialistic. We think about money and cars or this or that, and we don't realize the basic fundamental of who we are and why we're here, which is to love unconditionally. I don't care who hurt you or your child or whatever. Love is the only thing that matters here. We are to love and we are to forgive. And that started with forgiving myself for feeling that way for 50 years of my life. And when I finally forgave myself for everything, for feeling that way, for feeling like I abandoned father, it felt like the weight of the world was ripped out of me and let go. And for the first time, I could truly breathe. You know, it was the most beautiful thing. And now I love unconditionally and I forgive unconditionally. And it was, like I said, it was a life-changing event. And there's no way when I tell people, you know, what, ha what happened, I get a lot of, well, you're a liar or you're a zealot. I've been called a zealot, believe it or not. <laughs> I was like, wow, stop trying to spread Christianity. I said, I left Christianity because everything that I was taught was proven wrong to me in a blink of an eye, in a trillionth of a second, the truth came. And, you know, when I tell people this, and I will not stop telling people this, is that God does not care about your religion. It is insignificant to Father in every way possible. All he wants or would like us is to love him. And that is based on faith. Have faith. He doesn't care if you grab a pile of leaves and say, Father, I love you. Doesn't care. Doesn't care about your religion. And that was given to me as well. You know, I've, I felt like 
well, you know, when I got up there, he's like, well, you know, Jace, thank goodness you were a Catholic because that's the reason you're not insignificant in every way. And I needed somebody to talk to after this. So I went to my pastor. I said, I need to talk to you. And he said, okay. He sat down and I started talking. And again, I got very emotional because I can feel it still. I feel him in me. And as, as I began talking, he sat there looking at me, never moved, never said anything. And then I realized that in essence, the cat was out of the bag. And I was like, uh, instead of feeling anger or hatred, I felt such love and, you know, he was so lost. And I just, I just wanted to hug him and say, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. I said, you know, I forgive you, not to him, but in general. And I just, I left religion. I left Christianity and I follow my father and I follow Jesus. And that is love one another. Mm. And that is now how I truly live my life. Now I will help others. I will do whatever I can for someone. And if they curse me or they hate me or they hit me, I'm asking for forgiveness before anything. So I truly have changed. And I don't at times understand who I am anymore because man and the person that I was for 50 years is dead. You know, he filled me with a love, not of this world. He stripped me of my pride. We still have our egos. And he filled me with a sense of humility that I have never had in my entire life. A sense of being so humble. And I just want to help people now. I want to talk about this. I want them to know that you're, they're not alone, no matter what they're going through, whether they're alone at home or they've been beaten or sexually abused or whatever, that he's right there with you. He's right there with you. You're not alone. He hears you. Mm-hmm. Father sees you. And he hears you. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I truly am doing this because I want to help people. I want them to know that they're not alone. And that's the truth of my story. I did have an out-of-body experience this March. And I'll tell you about one more thing that just happened last week. And that is I was emotional like I am now. I was talking to him in the morning. And as I am generally in the mornings, I'm very emotional with him. And I said, you know, you gave me this great experience, Father, but, you know, why couldn't I go through the tunnel? Why did you keep me in the hospital? Why couldn't I go home? You take me home. Every, you know, everybody that has these experiences or, you know, when they go through this, most of them go through the tunnel or go home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got out of bed and I'm crying. So I come to the couch and I lay down and the moment my head hit the pillow, and this is in the second week in March on a Saturday. I was pulled out of my body. Everything, I entered a a void of complete and utter blackness. And I'm talking absent of all light, nothing, no sound, no light. And I began traveling. I say it at the speed of light. It was extraordinarily fast. And I'm in this black tunnel. And I'm talking way out the distance was like this little sliver of light. It's like a little white line. Like you draw like an eighth of an inch, you know, a little white. 
so far and I'm, I'm traveling in the, in this, in this tunnel now. And then all of a sudden, you know, I felt the unconditional love again, light started to permeate through the tunnel on all sides and I'm just traveling. And then, it, you know, I realized that I'm going home, I'm going home, but I'm traveling faster and faster. And this now light is getting closer and closer and it's expanding to encompass everything. The blackness had dissipated, was gone. There was nothing but this, this beautiful white light, which is again, indescribable of its beauty in its entirety. I was traveling and I got closer and closer, closer and like was right up to it. And then all of a sudden I was back into my body. You know, I didn't wake up, but I, you know, I opened my eyes and I'm like, I just said, thank you. It's once again, father is listening to every word you say, every word you say, they do not go unheeded. And he gave me exactly what I asked for. So the biggest question in my mind that pops up is why me? I had that. Why did you choose me out of all this? And the answer came clearly back. Why not? I love you just as much as anybody else. You are no different than anybody else. I love you unconditionally. And I live in both worlds now. I feel angels around me. I feel my departed son. Um, my body starts to tingle like your foot falls asleep, except my whole body will start to tingle. And I know someone is here. I can feel it. I live in both worlds now. I had a lot of guilt. I was very depressed for a long time afterwards. It probably took me, probably almost took me two years to deconstruct from Catholicism and completely unlearn what I have learned that was given to me my whole life, you know, and it was very hard to do because I didn't have anybody to talk to. It was just me. So I, I'm constantly talking to father. More and more information is given to me and the why me left. And now I truly understand who I am, what I am. And the fact that I have died thousands of times, and not only that, but all of us on this planet and other planets where souls are living and, and going through us, we all helped him create the universe. And we are the universe. We are everything. We are the sun, the, the planet, the ocean. We are everything. We are creation. And once I settled into that thought, everything became so much easier, so much simpler. And to realize that none of what's going on in this dream is really real. And it just became easy. It became, I became supremely confident, not cocky or arrogant, but just very confident. I stripped myself of everything that I ever was and have rebuilt Jason. Father comes first. He will always come first before me, before my children. So last week at work, this is, and I, I look a little, I do believe is the one who contacted me about you. Mm. Um, so we were talking about this incident. I said, I don't know if I want to talk to you about it. It's kind of, kind of freaked me out. So I got to work early, right? And no one was really there. I mean, there's a part of the plant that's working, but not too many people are there at 530 in the morning. So I'm, I'm doing some janitorial work, cleaning out a bathroom, and this person walks in. Never seen this person before. 
kind of scruffy clothes and beard and stuff like that. And we instantly began talking about God. Why? I don't know how that happened. But all of a sudden, he would just smile like your smile on your face. And he would just he tilt his head back. And I kept looking and he had this aura around him of just love and beauty in a way. It was weird. It kind of weirded me out. But, you know, and he moved to another place and we, we began talking and he would just sinking in and just letting the love we were sharing love is what it was we we are you know we were sharing the love and when we were talking about it it was just bringing him such joy and peace as, as you know he was just glowing and it took probably about 10 minutes and he said well i think i should be going and when he reached out his hand so lovingly and he squeezed my hand and it was bone crushing strong I mean, he could have ripped my arm off of my person and beat me with it. It was that strong. Wow. It was a force that I, I took me back. I was like, I mean, he literally could have crushed every bone in my, my, my hand, you know? And I said, well, it was good talking to you. And he says, he says, I'll see you around. I said, okay. I said, God bless. I finished up what I was doing. He maybe walked out the door, maybe three or four seconds. So I walked out the door. I wanted to catch his name again. He was nowhere to be found, gone. And I'm like, the one door off to my left, those two doors were locked. The other door was locked. And that was a long hallway. There's no way he could have gotten that far, completely gone. Like, nope, he left that door. He went back home. So, I mean, I know who it was now because when Lilith and I were talking, she goes, you know who that was, don't you? And I said, I know exactly who it is. I said, I just I have trouble saying it. And he, she said, go ahead. And I said, that was Archangel Mike. And she goes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I said, why me? Why is Michael coming to me? He's father's right hand man. He's right there. So why is he choosing Jason? And I keep asking father, you know, more knowledge. I need, I want more. And people say, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, I'm not afraid, but you know, why was Michael there in a shady bathroom soaking up my love for father and honor doesn't even begin to describe that feeling. I mean, it was again, a, the most beautiful thing. Mm. Archangel Michael was here with me just talking about father and loving. I know he was feeling my love because I was feeling his. It was a beautiful moment. And then in a blink of an eye, he was gone. Just, And I was like, how do you talk to people about that? You know, how do you tell people? They're going to look at you like you're nuts. And I'm like, I've gotten to the point of now where I don't care anymore. I know what's going on. Father is using me some way, somehow. I haven't figured it out fully, but I feel him. I feel him in me. I feel it everywhere I go. And now I get that out-of-body experience. I've been taken home. If I would have crossed that threshold, there was no coming back. You know, that was it. He brought me to that point. He says, you, you know, you're not done here. You can't come just yet. And I knew that when I was delivered back home. And then seven months later, Michael is standing with me. And I'm like, could things get any more beautiful? And I told father, I said, I will talk about you like you asked. I said, I will not, I will not fail you. I will not. 
And I don't care what comes my way. I don't care who spits on me, hurts me, punches me. I will not. And I realize when I chose my parents and I chose that abuse and I chose everything that I did was I am incredibly strong. You knock me down. I will get back up. No matter what you do, no matter what you say to me, I will get back up. And I told him, I said, I will not fail you. I will not. And I will talk about you. And I know people aren't going to believe some things. And that's okay. That's your choice. That's our free will. That's why we come here. But most people, they want to know, is my son okay? He's dead. Is my husband okay? And I'm like, your husband is home. And he had the most beautiful experience going home to father. And I said, he's loved. And I said, you will see him again, I promise. And it, to see the comfort in their eyes is, now I know what my mission is here. And it's to help these people come back to father. And I told him, I will not fail. I will not. I don't care what happens to me. And that's my story. And most beautiful things are happening to me. And there are times that I feel so unworthy of it. And I realized that's the ego coming in. And I was like, nope, no, no. You know, I keep my foot firmly on his face. You know, it's like, no, we can't get rid of our egos. It's a part of who we are. And part of learning being here is to tackle the ego and say, no, no. So once I, I learned to control the ego and keep them down, that I realized that I am love, I am beautiful, and I am worthy of everything that I am. And um, my goal is to reach as many people as I can. If I can touch one person and change their life, then I know that I have made a difference in this world. And that's what matters to me now. I no longer care about materialism, money, anything. The only thing that matters to me now is love. And I want to show people love. I want them to feel this that I'm feeling right now from Father because it's beautiful, it's pure, it's undiluted, and it's nothing but love. And I'm an emotional wreck all the time. And I tell him that. I say, thanks. You know, you've made me an emotional <laughs> wreck. I know he's laughing at me. I can feel it, but I wouldn't change it for the world. I would go through everything all over again. Being in that hospital was the most excruciating thing that has ever happened. I've never felt pain like that. And he took it all away the moment I transitioned home. I felt nothing but love and all pain was gone. I was restored to who I truly am. And I knew that I needed to be strong to get through what was coming. And I understood why I chose my life because what I am going through and went through and I'm going to go through is hard and it's going to be hard. That's okay. I accept it. And I told him, I will not fail. I will not. You can take my home, my house. You can take everything. But you will not take my love. You will not. That's what's happening with me. And that's what happened to me. And people say, well, you weren't dead. That never happened. I said, no. But what it was is I did die. I said, but it was divine intervention. It was simply divine intervention. I knocked on the door. He answered the door. I get a lot of people, that's not fair. He doesn't answer me. He's not going to come down here and do that. That is something he and I set up prior to me coming here. 
we set that goal. You know, we all have mile markers, A, D, C, D, E. When we get to E or F, we get to go home. We have accomplished our mission. And I said, that is something we set up. He says, if you don't come back by the time you hit C, this is what's going to happen. And I'll be there, but you're going to die and it's going to be rough. Well, I missed A and B. And guess what? C rolled up on me. And sure enough, by five, by six o'clock in the evening, I was dead. And he was there waiting. And it's simply the most profound moment of my life, the defining moment. Everybody will have a defining moment in their life and they'll know when they're in it because it changes your very soul. He reformed my soul. He, re he remade me. And when I look in the mirror in the morning, I sometimes don't recognize the person staring back at me because it may look the same, but everything else is dead. It's been reborn. And it's love is what did it. Simply love. And I want to pass that on. I want to tell everybody that they're not alone, that they have no need to be fearful of anything in their life because God is love and God is light. And you are loved unconditionally and you are heard no matter where you are, what you are doing. When you are asking him something, he is right there listening to you and he will take care of it. He will. And that, Lee, is what happened. And that is me. <laughs> that is me. You know, I've heard many near-death experiences, but you are one clear channel for God's love. You are doing amazingly good things, Jason. God's word is love. We came here to love, to forgive, and to live your life. Live it out of no fear, nothing. There, You can do nothing wrong at all. What do you mean we can do no wrong? No, you can do no wrong. Love and live your life. Live it. But our society and, and religion has crippled us and has confined us to the point of where you can't even look at, glance at somebody walking down the road without fear of being shot or killed or beaten up mm. or, or whatever. We're failing to live, Lee. We are failing to live in every aspect of why we were created and why we came here in the first place. Father wants us to have fun. Live your life. Have fun. Do it. But when you do it, do it out of love. Have empathy. Hmm. Have kindness. Help that person that fell. If that homeless man is sitting on the side of the road, bend down and ask him, have you eaten today? Are you hungry? He's no worthy. He's no less worthy of your love than you are. And that's what God showed me. Nobody on this planet is any better than anybody else. We are all the same. We are all one. We are all one. And when I tell people, Jesus didn't come here to save us from sin. He came here to show us how to love, to truly show us how to love. And he did it so well, we brutally murdered him for it. Mm. And they don't know what to say. They just sit there and they just, no, I don't, it's okay. That's your free will. Please, that's okay. But then there are others that their souls are, they're telling them something's wrong. These things aren't adding up. All these people that have had an NDE that are talking about it, they're all different, but they're all the same. They're all talking about the love. Yes. They're all communicating the same thing from around the world. How can that be? 
And we're telling everybody, fathers right here, love one another. And that is the message. And that's what I will pass on. So they may get hurt and that's okay. That's fine by me. But eventually it's going to reach that one person. And that one person is going to say, you know, like you said, that was profound. How can that something inside everybody is bubbling up and saying, it's not what's wrong. Something's not right. I've done things or, you know, this or that. And, you know, now we're living out of fear. God doesn't want you living out of fear. He wants you to live in love and do whatever you want to do and have fun. And when the time's up, you come home. And that's what I want to get across to everybody. Don't fear. Fear is an illusion. God is love. God is light. Anything that is not that will push you further away from Father. And he will allow you to do that because that is your free will. He's allowing you to exercise what you came to Earth for. Earth is the only free will planet we have in our galaxy right now. Not in the universe, but right now in our galaxy, Earth is the only free will planet we have. And it's also the hardest place to incarnate into. So we don't start here. We start in other galaxies, other solar systems, a different part of the universe, because when we incarnate there, we still feel home. We still feel father. We still feel the unconditional love. You get married, you have children, you know, you may do this, whatever, but it's only on earth when you finally have the strength and the knowledge of learning as a soul to come to earth, knowing you know, when you come here and we are very excited to come here because we want to experience these things that we can't experience anywhere else. Mm. And then all of a sudden, whoop, the umbilical cords cut off. And basically, you know, you're not on your own, but you are, you know, now you go forth and we become lost and some of us can't handle it. And we kill ourselves. They simply cannot handle what they signed up for. So it is extremely hard to be here. It is. It's not easy being on earth. It's not. We have pain, suffering, body aches and joints, or some things may have happened to us as a child, as a grown up, or, or whatever, you know, and we simply become lost. And then when we get become lost, then what, then what happens? We get angry. And when we get angry, we do things that under normal circumstances we wouldn't do. But, you know, when you're lost, frustration, anger, hate, again, free will. And then we go down paths that we go down. So, you know, when I look at people, it's just like when I see the, the mass shootings and stuff like that, or the hate that's out there, I realize that most of these people signed up for this. They, like I, when I told you about the white room, mm. you don't know what anything other than you don't know you're white. So how do you know what any of this is? So we sign up for these things and all of a sudden we're cut off from home and oh. God, he must really hate it. No, he's allowing you to live on how you chose to do. So no, somebody said, you know, I'm so tired of you talking about love. And then why doesn't he come down here and fix all the hate and the anger and the rage? I said, he's not going to. Why? Because it's what we signed up for. And he looked at me and I was like, you're living the life and everybody else is living the life that they chose. God, no, 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 no. Yes, you chose your parents. You chose the struggles in your lives, the goods, the bads. And he's allowing you to accomplish what you chose to come here and do. And yes, some of it isn't going to be pretty, but we are heading towards 
right now world peace. World War III is coming. It's going to be here in about 50 or 60 years. And after that war, which is going to last seven years, world peace, no more hunger, no more starvation, no more homelessness. But upon all of that, nations will fall. The United States will be no more, Russia and everything else. People will say that is meaningless. The only thing that matters is love. And we, in that moment, will have transcended from two-dimensional, three-dimensional to five-dimensional consciousness, which means we are growing as a species and as a soul, those souls that will come in and incarnate on earth afterwards, we will become much smarter, you know, more intelligent. We'll be eating less. We're gaining. You know what I'm saying? We are growing in consciousness and we will evolve as a species. So we may look a little different a hundred years from now, but not much, but the children being born right now, I call them the enlightened ones. Meaning you and I have been here for thousands of years. We just keep incarnating and doing different things and trying different things. I tell everybody, we've all been gods and kings and we've been all wealthy and we've been poor and we, we've run the gamut. But the children being born now are the enlightened ones. And what I mean by that is when they're born, they remember all their past lives here. So they're going to take, can you imagine that wealth of knowledge of mm. if they were been here a thousand times, they remember all of that. So now all of these children, these babies, when 60 years from now, the knowledge and the wealth of bringing on world peace is why we are going to transcend because they are going to push us over the top. You and I will be a long gone. We'll be home, but they're going to transcend and enlighten the world after World War III and basically bring that world peace and say, look, it's beautiful. We are right where we all need to be right now, all of us. We are setting and laying the groundwork for what's coming. So COVID was supposed to happen. You know, yeah, millions died. Well, that's how they chose to die. The shootings, that's how they chose to die. We are laying the vital groundwork for those enlightened ones to essentially step on us and push everybody up and over. And then Earth will no longer be a free will planet. People that incarnate here on Earth again won't be cut off from home. We'll feel the love. We'll feel home. We'll feel Jesus. We'll feel Father. And then Father will pick another planet to have free will. And then guess where we're going to go? <laughs> we're going to go back to that, that new world to, again, learn. We are constantly learning. Not this, not this garbage, that this suitcase that we're in, but our true essence, our true souls. We are constantly learning. And when we're you know, not incarnating somewhere, we're at home learning. We are always learning. Whether we're with our soulmates, our soul families, I mean, we have families from all over the universe, children and husbands. I may have been a wife. I may have been a husband somewhere else, but we are all one. And then when we transcend, earth is no longer free will and we will go incarnate elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful thing, really. And the information still keeps coming. I just wake up on one morning. I just know. People say, well, how do you know? Well, how do you know you're hungry? And they look at that. How do you know you're hungry? I'm hungry. How do you know? Tell me. 
You can't, you just know. So when I tell people that it's like that, and it happens to other people with NDEs, they get that knowledge. It just comes, you know, and I ask them every day, more, more, more. I want to help people. And I know he's listening to me, hence Michael being with me, that it's coming. So it's, it's hard, but it's beautiful in the same aspect. So I want everybody to know that, yes, there are going to be bad things coming. The war in the Ukraine, the drought, the, the severe weather, people dying. The earth is cleaning itself. Basically, all of us in our 40s and 50s or 50s and 60s and upward, we need to die. We need to go because those enlightened ones are now going to be heavily influencing and pushing mankind or our civilization to a higher form of consciousness. And when I can see it, I see it as absolutely beautiful. I mean, what an amazing thing. What an amazing thing to be a part of. How many times? Thousands of times for me, you and everybody else down here. So we are all laying that groundwork to get to that point. We are, all of us on this planet are the drops of water in the ocean. Not one person can be left out or that that ocean cannot be filled. All of us. It takes all of us. That's the beauty of it all. You know, we are all one. We are all part of the same thing. You know, we are all moving. And that's what, you know, people don't see because they're caught up in the materialistic world and this and that. They don't see the whole goal. And I was, don't get me wrong. I was a part of that on an epic failure for my whole life until that moment. And then I just see where we are and where we're going and who we are. And it's beautiful. But there's days like, you know, none of this is real. Why do I need to go? You know, what's work? You know, I was like, blah, blah, blah. you know, it's just, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of go through those moments where like, come on now, but it's all good. It's all beautiful, you know, and I have love and empathy for everyone now. And I'm father's voice down here. I'm one of his messengers to let everybody know that he's here. He's watching, he sees, but you're doing what you signed up to do, whether it's good or not. (laughs) It's like all our timelines, you know, are going here and there and everywhere. And sometimes when you meet somebody, it's for a reason. It isn't just by chance. It's for a reason. Those timelines interceded for a reason, you know, and you, there's always a lesson here, whatever happens to us, who you meet, who you talk to, it just didn't happen by random. Like when you go grocery shopping, you go grocery shopping by yourself or with your kids, but you don't talk to anybody else. Why? You're not meant to. They're not meant to be in your life. And it's that simple. So those people that come in and profoundly change your life or who you talk to, they're there because they were meant to be there at that moment in time. You cross those lines and you change that person's life or they changed your life. And that lesson to be learned through that conversation or interaction or that moment. So I just find it absolutely beautiful. And I see everything now for its beauty. It's like now when I look at the sunrise, I just see how magnificent it truly is and how beautiful it is. Before that, I never paid attention. Who cares? And yeah, it's the sun. Now look at it. It's beautiful. Watch it go down and see God's magnificence in it. It's truly beautiful. You created that. We all did. Look at it. Admire it. How many people see somebody mowing the lawn, but do they take in how good the fresh grass smells? 
you can't get that at home. You don't know what fresh grass smells like because you don't. The grass is alive up there and will talk to you and sing to you, but you don't get that sense that you can in the physical world. In the spiritual world, it's, yes, it's breathtakingly beautiful and all that, but you don't get the physical sense. And that's why we're here. Have you had any other experiences like that? Or do you feel like you're having any conversations with the other side? I do. I ran into a medium unintentionally. She saw one of my interviews. And while we were talking, my son showed up. He passed away 14 years ago. He was stillborn. So he came out at four months, but he was dead. Yes. So she said, you know, she's talking to me and she's like, do you have, do you have an uncle? And I said, and I, I said, yeah, but you know, he's, he's alive. And I said, no, dad, pass it. Uncle. I said, no, I only have one of this age. And I go, uncle, no. I said, I lost my son 15 years ago. His name was Connor. And she goes, yes. I said, why? She goes, and there's no way she could have known this. None. There's no way. Yeah. Well, he's here with me. Huh. And he and is like, he wants to talk. He mentioned some things that, I mean, were absolutely true that there's no one that could have known at the time, except for me and my, my ex-wife. And mm-hmm. he informed me why things had happened that way. And his message was clear. He said, dad, I was never meant to be born. He says, my job, my mission was simply to bring you back to God. You know, remember when I talked about mile markers, A, B, C, D, and E? Well, A was my grandmother waking me up for church, and I said no. B, I didn't find out until 15 years after, which my son just informed me, which was, Dad, I was never meant to be born. It was simply to bring you back to God, you know? And he says, it didn't work. And he says, I love you, Dad. Hmm. You know, and of course, I'm sobbing because, you know, I'm I'm an emotional wreck. And... um, but he's here all the time. I feel him all the time. You know, the energy changes in the room. I start to tingle and um, I know he's here. And sometimes I can hear out of, out of my ears, I'll hear, hey, you know, so he, he's trying to, to get a hold of dad. And I just haven't gotten that that far yet, you know, to totally receive. So, you know, I keep asking father, you know, I want more information, you know, help me help me help everyone else, you know? So it's coming, but I feel him around all the time, all the time. He's here all the time. Do you think he will be a medium or is a medium for some of that uh, communication from the other side and direction from the other side? It could be. Yeah. A huge number of children are, are miscarried. It's almost like 25 or 26% of all pregnancies end in miscarriage. So Are you saying that these miscarriages, for the most part, perhaps, were never intended to be born? That's correct. Yep. Hmm. And because, you know, when we come here, like I said, we choose our life. We just don't say all of a sudden pop up down here and we're here. You know, we have to bring, we sit down with our guides, our our angels, you know, and we, you know, we construct our life and what we want to do. And then we go before father and say, hey, I want to go back. And generally, you know, he approves it and he goes, okay, but there are some instances he'll say, this is going to be hard. You know that, don't you? Mm. But we don't think like this. We don't think linear. We are one with everything. So when we're choosing these things there to us, it's easy. Oh, we'll go do this. Now we get cut off from home. 
Now you got a broken finger. You can't pay your bills. You know, there's no way to get home at the moment. So yes, you choose those things. And his goal and his love for me was so out overwhelming that he told father, I said, I just want to bring dad back to you. That's all I want to do. And this is how I want to do it. And when most people grieve, what do they do? God, why? You know, I love you. Why did you? But it hardened my heart even more. You know, it made me angrier. Mm. And he said, dad, it didn't work. So yes, like I said, there is a lesson in everything. And my lesson was to come back to father. He's waiting. He's allowing my free will to do whatever I need to do. But that was his love. That was his ultimate love was to sacrifice a life here on earth for one reason and one reason only. And that was to bring me to God, back to father. That was his only mission. Do you suppose Connor was uh, with you as someone else in another lifetime? You know, I've often thought about that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because, like I said, we have soul families and they're not just from this earth or this whatever. You know, they may go back centuries like you may have great, 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 you know, great grandfather that could have been King Tut's father. So you don't know, you know, you are just you keep coming. So you have these soul families, but they're not just from Earth. They're from other galaxies, other planets and everything of that nature. So is it entirely possible? 100 percent. But you got to remember now he planned this. So he was watching me as a little kid, watching his mom and decided, you know, that this was the time and father said, okay, and it ended. And, you know, he told me that wasn't my job Mm. to be born. I wanted you back with father. Now I look back at it and see it as the most ultimate love sacrifice and love that there could be. Jason, thank you so much. This has been great. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you for having me. This is the message that we all need to hear, and uh, you deliver it really, really well. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 470 archived, ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Pass Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can Subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio Library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. Listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at TalkZone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening. <laughs>